0: bad faith is, is difficult for uh, a jury
1: to yeah uh,
0: and understand because what the insurance company does and, and, and I'll bring this up is they will get somebody on the stand who will say this is industry standard right right now my question is always which industry uh, and, and uh, the example I use for industry standard is where uh, the insurance company says we don't pay overhead profit roofers yes yeah. well you hire a roofer all by yourself and I said so you just turned the policyholder into a general contractor. yeah uh, well no uh, it, it, look that's that's what you're saying you're saying that they have to hire the roofer separately I said, and if something goes wrong, contractor will the roofer, the roofer will point to the contractor, and the homeowner will be stuck in purgatory. Yeah. Whereas if they hire a general contractor, if there's a problem, they go to the general contractor and say, "There's a problem."
2: If there's any homeowners or policyholders listening to this, there's uh, some sage advice there. In not allowing the insurance company to use your ignorance of the process against you, and turning you into uh, doing something on their behalf that only saves them money, doesn't ultimately serve the best, per- you know, your best interests or what the policy is supposed to do, what you un- understood it would do in the event that you had a claim. It's important for everybody the policyholder the contractor and the carrier to be committed to what we call the DOJO the claims standard which is the responsibility to restore you to resemble pre-loss conditions with materials of like kind and quality so as a homeowner educate and arm yourself with that information that that's your expectation i expect the adjuster and the contractor to work together with me to restore this property that was insured by this carrier for such an event and restore us to resemble pre-loss conditions with materials of like kind and quality. That's my expectation.
0: You're a bad thing. The thing that, that contractors need to understand is the insurance companies have no duty of good faith to the contractor. Say what? insurance companies have no duty of good faith to the contractor.
2: We're preparing a uh, discussion with our local networking group for Washington-based restoration contractors. The invite is extended to everyone in the Pacific Northwest uh, in regards to what is bad faith and uh, what are some of those elements that constitute that particular item. As well as some of the ideas and other resources that contractors can advise policyholders towards when they feel like they're getting the runaround from the insurance company.
0: They can be a bad faith policyholder. They've got a dog in the pipe, but they don't have, legally, they, they can't have an expectation of good faith because they don't have a, a contractual relationship with you. Now, here's where things are changing which I will bring up there, which is very important, and that is in Arizona, and everything happens in one state and moves to another, yep, yep. now insurance companies or insurance adjusters and their contractors, their preferred vendors, are getting sued for aiding and abetting bad faith. Okay. Because the legal doctrine, John, is that an adjuster can't be a bad faith because they don't have a contractual relationship with the policyholder. I said, "Well, you work for the insurance company." He said, "Yeah, that's fine. I have a duty to the insurance company. I do not have a duty to the policyholder. My company does. You can sue my insurance company, but you can't sue me." And of course, the the vendors or the engineers or when if if the insurance companies are using vendors who are intentionally undercutting. Whether it's the scope, or the repair cost, or material cost, or like kind of quality, whatever, they say. Well, I don't have a legal duty to the policyholders because I don't have a contractual relationship with them. Yeah. But now what they're doing is um, the plaintiff bar is weaponizing, which they should. They're saying, okay, you're right. You don't have a legal duty. So we're going to sue you for aiding and abetting the insurance company in acting in bad faith. Nice. Because you need them, they need to have skin in the game. You know, you, you need to make them accountable, because otherwise they go, well, who cares? So
2: the case in Arizona that Roger's talking about appears to be Iglesia versus Brotherhood Insurance, um, as far as uh, Vendors called out by the insurance company aiding and abetting in shortchanging or defrauding the customer, the policyholder. Um, the reverse of that that's rather interesting actually came out of Washington. Kia Dalla versus Allstate were an adjuster. This was in an auto claims, was the direct um, plaintiff in a lawsuit for interfering with the uh, policy, um, whereas typically it's people go after the insurance company, not the individual actors. And so it's it's those these two cases potentially rattle um, the representatives of a carrier in acting in bad faith or not doing the proper things during a policy. And then this case out of Arizona is one to watch as far as vendor partners of the carriers when uh, the wrong things are happening. Very interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> You can't touch me. I can lie, cheat, and steal on behalf of the insurance company because you can't sue me.
1: You
0: can sue the company. And then, and what happens then is the insurance company says, well, that's not us. That adjuster was just lying, cheating, and stealing. We didn't tell them to lie, cheat, and steal. They just <laughs> did it on, you know. Well, they said they did it on your behalf. So, so that's where they're trying to break that now here's the other side of that coin John. is that what the insurance companies then do is they turn around and they sue the vendor or the contractor or the representative of the policy holder for aiding and abetting fraud okay Ledge fraud. Now, one, and this is one of the other things I go over. Is I got into quite an argument with the insurance commissioner because where the standards are really unfit. So, if an insurance company intentionally and knowingly undervalues a claim, that's a bad faith. Okay. If a policyholder intentionally and knowingly inflates their claim. That's
2: criminal fraud. Okay. So... It's disproportionate. Yeah. sure if you read the article that we posted on um, what's going on down in Florida, raising some questions. I think every time as a consumer or as a contractor, especially as it relates to insurance, if you hear someone bringing up consumer protections, that's a catchword that grabs the public's attention, uh, grabs and tugs at the heartstrings of maybe well-intentioned politicians, but oftentimes is used the the ignorance about the insurance process is used against the consumer, the policyholder. In we're protecting you, and so the question should always be asked: What are you protecting us from, and who's protecting us from whom, and then. Like what appears to be going on in Florida is rather than actually protecting the consumer, it appears that all of the uh, things being passed are protecting the insurance companies and taking away the rights of the consumer. Um, Even if you take the contractor out of the equation, you as a policyholder should be paying attention to what is going on in Florida. And like Roger said, what's happening in Arizona could affect everywhere what's happening in Florida will affect everywhere we all know on the West Coast what happens in California eventually you know has a way of of moving its way around so um, it's very interesting in this sense right you know if you as a policyholder or you as a contractor you know step out of line that's criminal fraud but if the insurance company delays denies or defends that's just, well, it's bad faith, you know, and you're going to be on the list and, you know, this is going to affect your ratings, you know, but, but what actually is going to happen out of that? And it appears not much. The powers to be go after that really, really, really hard. But bad faith
0: is kind of like, all right, so we didn't play it there. Yeah. The insurance industry beat the American Bonner Association and the American Medical Association. I mean, you know, they, they got away with making stuff and saying, well, this is, the way, this is the way it is. And the medical community and the bar said, no, that's not. Unfortunately, the people with the biggest pockets, that's kind of the way things are happening in our country. Set the rules, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? You can't sit and bitch about it. You got to work with it, yeah. And so I, I will talk about ways to, to work around it and, and everything like that. What
2: what are some of those? I guess maybe brief steps of recourse that a contractor can advise a customer if they really think like they're getting the runaround. And you just had a keyword that is runaround.
0: So the you know you've heard the term the time value of money. Yeah. Even though it's against the wax, it's too hard for people to understand. The insurance company will have you jump through inane hoops. Uh, well, let's and I mean, even if you look at it exactly. My brothers are contractors. They don't do insurance restoration because I told them to stay the hell out of my <laughs> um But they said, I don't understand you guys. You know, when we when we put together a bid. It's our subcontractors, our material costs, our labor cost, our supervision, our overhead and profit. Yeah. And that's the extent of it. And, uh, you know, where they break it down to the nubbit as to, to what everything is with the DAC made and everything, they go, we wouldn't do that. Because it's none of your damn business. Yes. You know, yep. I, you, we're, we're bidding on a specific deliverable. Yep. And that's it. You know. Look, you're gonna get. You know, we're gonna build you a duplex, or we're gonna build you a, you know, a house that's this big and it's got everything in it. You don't get to ask us how much. Well, what about what that stair rise is gonna cost? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And you know how much for a sheetrock or whatever. It it just. You know, and if you don't want to hire us, don't hire us. Yep. Um. And the other thing is on that is that. I always say, well, here's the other stupid thing. They're, they're saying, you know, it's kind of like a bidding process. You know, well, we, we only have to pay for the low bid. But then when, when the insured and the contractor put in for a withheld appreciation, the insurance comes says, well, you have to detail everything. Well, no, if if you want to do that, it should have been on time and material. Yeah. Guys, are you doing it on and TNM basis and you get to monitor everything? or you did it on a good basis and
2: you'll work any uh, final invoice. Well, I know those comments are resonating with contractors. If there's any consumers that come across this um, and you're looking to hire a contractor, you have to understand there's a program, an estimating software called Exactimate. What you should understand is it creates, it's supposed to create a common language between the contractor and the insurance company. So like Roger said, typically if you wanted to remodel your kitchen, a contractor's gonna come in and say, all right, remodel kitchen, and maybe they'll spec out some details, you know, white shaker cabinets, um, you know, gray quartz countertops, subway tile backsplash, soft closed doors, um, LVP floor, you know, XX uh, product, you know, but it's gonna be pretty limited details and a lump sum price. Nothing wrong with that, that's, you know, want to talk about industry standard, that's a standard in construction. It's typically enough details to try to clarify the scope, but not so many details that you get buried in the weeds. And an Xactimate estimate, if you've ever seen one, as a consumer, you definitely get buried in the weeds, you know, it's charging for this individual line item, you know, uh, the baseboard, the casing, the paint, the drywall, the patch, the blend, the texture, you know, as opposed to like a drywaller would say, yeah, that's uh, seven hundred fifty bucks. Drywall, drywall repair, seven hundred fifty dollars. So there's some nuances. The insurance that sometimes the ignorance of the consumer can be used against them. I don't mean that as a derogatory term. It's just not something you deal with every day. And so contractors have to do a good, a better job of educating the consumer. <clears throat> and as we talked about previously, the standard you know all the parties you as a consumer should be expecting you as a contractor should be communicating and the adjuster should be on the same page we are committed to the standard which is to restore you to resemble pre-loss conditions with materials of like kind and quality so you know that's if if we haven't communicated that as contractors please tell us where because we're using your estimating software and if your contractor uses TNM you know, or whatever, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, It's, you might say industry standard to use Xactimate, but it's not required. There's nothing in your insurance policy says, policy says the contractor has to use Xactimate, you know, and the the right price is what a willing buyer, you as a consumer, is willing to pay a willing seller, right? The price for anything is what people are willing to pay for it, so, you know, gas right now, you know we're, we're, we're not willing buyers but we're doing it you know that the cost of everything is going up so it's uh, this this discussion is again uh, primarily for a contractors group in Washington we're getting ready to meet here in June and uh, and discuss this with Roger who's uh, a licensed public adjuster and does a lot of claims advocacy he is called in by either side insurance or contractors and consumers to try to settle disputes, and so his perspective is really good. Um, again, not trying to be enemies, but like, how do we work together to operate under the standard?
0: And unfortunately, what happens is they say,
2: Well, we're just not
0: going to pay us based on this, and and you know, the policyholder, whoever can sue them for bad faith, but a jury just doesn't understand the distinction. They say, Well, it doesn't seem unreasonable to we'll want to know what you did, yeah. Um, and so it is a uh, 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 one of those that the um, industry has has kind of forced people to jump through their hoops. And and so then what they do is they if you've got a disagreement over the scope and over the cost of repairs. They're saying, "Well, wow, you need to show this or to show that." You know, uh, uh, we need more information. We need more information. We need more information, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. No loss gets better as time goes on. Yeah. So, what what we're advising the people is, you need to shortcut the process and say, "What I tell people is, look, your contractor submitted a repair bid." The insurance company responds. Either they say, hey, that's great, start work, or maybe it's, you know, close enough that you can get there from here. Otherwise, you say, forget it, we're demanding appraisal. Yeah. We're going to appraise it
2: right now want to know more about the insurance appraisal process and what it looks like. Some of the things you can do as a contractor or a consumer to better understand and combat some of the games if you feel like you're being, um, a game is being played with your insurance claim. We did a two-part uh, extended conversation with Roger Housen on insurance appraisals, inspections, investigations, and umpiring. Uh, I believe that's the Diojo podcast episode seventy four, and then episode seventy
0: eight. <clears throat> and it, it, but what happens is, so many people, especially the, the homeowner or the policyholder, they they hold on thinking something will change, things will get better. It doesn't get better, and nobody gets any happier. But they, you know, they go, "Well, I don't want to spend the money to do an appraisal." well yeah first of all you got to calculate is the difference is the, is, the, is the difference between what the insurance company wants to pay and what we're claiming is sufficient to justify going to appraisal or do we just you know do the best we can to try and get more money but otherwise just bite the bullet and figure out something else right and um, the other thing though is too many people now john are appraising what are now coverage issues and the appraisal process doesn't address coverage issues. So a lot of the policies now are being written as um, a, we only pay for direct physical damage and what it is is it's a way to get around matches yeah um, so we don't have to match the upper cabinets to the lower cabinets um, because we're only paying for direct physical damage and I, I will tell you right now that many of the companies now are interpreting direct physical damage. That means if you get damage to the roof, you're lucky if they replace one square. Yeah. You go, well, that's going to look ugly. And they said, well, we didn't say we were going to make it pretty. We just said we we're going to pre- repair the direct physical damage. Um, and so a lot of people, they say, well, that's unfair. I'm, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to demand appraisal or whatever. Well, <laughs> you're not going to win. So what I also tell people is you need to think of this insurance the way it's written now. Think of it like your medical insurance where you have a copay. Sometimes you're going to end up with a copay yeah, because policyholders and homeowners make decisions based on what the insurance company is going to pay and I always say, do you want the adjuster picking out the repairs or determining that, you know, how how your house is gonna look after everything is done. Then stop doing that. But you're gonna have to realize you're gonna have to pay for, you know, some, some of what gets done.
2: There's a couple of key elements here. You as a homeowner, business owner, policy holder, it's important to understand that if you shop for insurance based on the cheapest price, you should not be shocked at the time when there's a claim that your insurance company is trying to do the same thing. (laughs) So it's important to understand what is and is not covered. Not every insurance policy is the same. You know, what is covered, what is not covered, what are the exclusions? This is one of the reasons it's important to maybe have a local insurance broker agent and say what is your claims experience when i have an insurance claim are you going to refer me to the 1-800 number and disappear or are you going to be involved in helping me make sure my policy does what it's supposed to do but you as the consumer first have to know what is my policy supposed to do you know what what's going to happen what are the things that i need to be aware of and so consumers cannot play dumb in the claims process and expect a good outcome you know you have to educate yourself some that's why our company Aries Restoration has put together some videos and blogs to try to help understand some of those processes what Roger's talking about there's RCV and ACV uh, replacement cost value versus actual cost value um, we've got customers that have exclusions for mold for dry rot or caps you know so you uh, mold may be excluded, dry rot may be excluded, there may be a cap, or like Roger's saying, if, if it says in your policy, matching our, um, direct physical damage, I've had a policy uh, claim where it was a tub surround, and four tiles were damaged, and this same tile was on the, the vertical surface, the flat surface, the horizontal surface. The backsplash around the tub, up onto the counters, the two counters in this master bathroom, the floor, and into the shower—all of that was the same type of tile. Most policies may have said, "Hey, we're going to place the deck in anywhere this backsplash touches," uh, but this particular carrier said, "We're only replacing those four tiles." And this is—this home was built in the 90s, so the likelihood that we could find those tiles, and even if they had those tiles in the garage, that they would exactly match so you know you're expecting in a claim i'm going to be restored to pre to resemble pre-loss conditions there's a lot of gray area in there and so if you're buying a policy because it's less expensive and it says it says direct physical damage only you know red flag you know and so there's what that typically means is you have to buy a rider or you may have to pay a little bit more to get that replacement cost value or additional coverage you know, we've got a large fire that we're working on right now and there's a cap and mitigation ate up a large portion of the money. Um, so that's going to affect, you know, what they're able to do with the insurance money on the repair side. So it's important to know what is and is not covered in your policy, what is covered and what is excluded, you know, replacement costs versus actual costs is a key question. A simple one that you can ask, and Roger just brought it up, is this policy matching or direct physical damage only? That's going to be another key one, you know. Um, so just understand what you're buying and what it covers and what it doesn't.
0: So the, their customer calls me and said, hey, this is what the problem is. And, and he said, oh, by the way, I'm an, I'm an insurance agent. What? I said, so this is your policy, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, does it say we only pay for direct physical damage? He says it does, and I said, "Well, then you're screwed." Yeah. I said, "You sold yourself a lousy policy," <laughs> and he said, "Man, you're brutal." And I go, "Hey, you know what? I've been doing this too long to to go look for fights that you're not going to win." Yeah. Um, I said, "I said it sucks to be you." Yeah. Pay to, and and the other thing though I tell homeowners and I tell them all the, this all the time, John is I say, pay for the repair. It, Put the thing back in the right way. Get a loan, do something, get the money to put the thing back together. I mean, my God, you're going to be miserable if yeah. the thing looks like crap. I've been
2: ahead here, but I asked Roger. You know, some contractors say you know a policy owes for cost incurred, and so you know, the the insured's gonna sign my contract, they're gonna pay me and then they turn in the invoice and then, you know, kablooey, it should bypass all those things and they're on their own. Um, Roger mentioned that could have unintended consequences. To be clear, it's a triangle, right? This is a, a, a strange process where you've got somebody damaged, you know, the policy holder, you've got somebody that's willing to fix it, able and willing to fix it, the contractor, and then, The majority of the money, because of the policy situation, is coming from the insurance company. So it's not a direct, you know, you're hiring me to do X. There's there's another entity involved. So it's important as a consumer that you understand. You know, you want your contractor and the carrier to work together so that you're not left holding the bag for any variance between what the contractor says it costs and what the insurance says it costs. You know, that's that's being smart on your behalf. Uh, consideration that Roger talks about, you know, okay, if, if we know, if it's going down the road where we know there's going to be a difference, perhaps maybe um, appraisal is in your best interest and you want to educate yourself on that. Maybe um, a lawsuit is appropriate. <laughs> maybe um, you're better off just getting a loan and getting the dang thing done. Like Roger said, you know, are you willing to to drag this, let it be dragged out, or are you better off getting it repaired and then looking at what your recourse is? Uh, As a contractor, you don't wanna be left holding the bag either, so it's important. Okay, customer, and we have this all the time. Customer says, what can we do to get this started? Well, if you wanna get it started, sign a contract for the amount that we bid, a deposit down we will get started but you need to understand you're responsible for any variance between what insurance pays and what we bid uh and and we're not going to be left holding the bag we'll do everything in our power to try to communicate effectively with them to to get those scopes closer together but um and that well i i want to know what the insurance is paying first wise it's wise to do that but you got to understand if you want to know where the money's coming from then there's going to be delays in the process there are, hey, we're pretty confident, insulation, drywall, paint, those kinds of things, maybe some framing damages that those have to be done. We're pretty confident in our pricing, so why don't we get started on that part, but maybe we're having a dispute over whether the cabinets can be rebuilt or um, need to be replaced. You know. So, okay, homeowner, here's your options. If we try to rebuild it, which is probably what insurance is gonna want us to try to do, this is the, the price, the anticipated price. If you wanna, so you have, x dollars to work with so maybe that's five thousand dollars but you want to replace your whole kitchen that's going to be fifteen thousand dollars do you have and want to spend an additional ten thousand dollars out of pocket potentially you know no i don't have that okay then (laughs) either we got to go with option a or um you need to get a loan or something like that like roger said so i think it's incumbent what we're trying to do and teach our team uh is you know don't take on the responsibility of someone else. The homeowner has a responsibility in this process to educate themselves and make a decision. And if the insurance isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, we as the contractors can assist up to a point, but we need to be mindful of, this is my realm, the scope, and uh, coverage is the realm of the insurance company, and you, consumer, have a due diligence, a responsibility to say, hey, I need you to do the right thing you know and advocate for yourself because we're not going to push harder than you're willing to push for yourself
0: what you can do is say look we've determined the scope this is our repair estimate and everything like this we are going to start work on this date absent you doing anything in other words what you do is you paint the company into a corner to have to respond and you know, and say, and, and give them, you have to give them notice that you're going to begin repairs. And you have to give them ample notice. The adjuster wrote an estimate or something, or, well, this is the exact mate estimate. I say, well, how soon can exact mate start work? <laughs> well, how soon can the adjuster start work? Yes. Yeah. And, and they go, well, you know, the adjuster's not going to do the work. And they said well, that's, they're the ones that say that's what it's going to cost to do the work. <laughs> they can't do the work. I don't care what their opinion about what it's going to cost to do the work is. Yeah.
2: This has been an impromptu bonus episode, I suppose, of the Dojo Podcast, Infotainment, informing you while we entertain you, helping you shorten your dang learning curve for personal and professional development obviously our primary audience is contractors and professionals in the insurance claims property restoration field if you are a contractor in washington or the pacific northwest please reach out to the dojo iz at the dojo.com about um, our local networking group for uh, property restoration contractors and insurance claims professionals like our good friend here roger Hausen and uh, out of Seattle, and um, looking forward to connecting and continuing to help people shorten their dang learning curve, including consumers who um, stumble across this content looking for information about the insurance claims process. So spread the word, like, subscribe. We've got some books you you can look at. One of them is coming out soon. Thank you all for coming out tonight. I just want you
1: to know I believe in you. I believe there's a little baby estimator inside of each one of you. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Yeah. 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 Do you believe with my help you can make that little baby estimator, you can make your little baby career grow and blossom? Yeah. 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 We want to share with you the wisdom of the ages, the secrets of the sages. Make your little baby estimator grow. Yeah! I'm parched, sharing all this knowledge with you. But you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. What? What? No! No! Yeah, my book, How to Not Suck at Estimating Habits for Better Project Outcomes, subtitle part of the Be Intentional series from the Dojo. We're not quite done with it yet. What? Uh, what? Ah? Uh, uh. But wait, wait, before you rush the stage. Just remember, Be Intentional Estimating. My first book, it's out there. You can get your little baby growing. Your baby estimator can start to grow today. Okay, yeah, okay. So just, you start reading that. We'll keep working on the other book, book number four. and, And you just hold tight, but you get that puppy to grow. You feed it. You water it. You seed it. You Water it. You put it in the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Hell no. To uh, uh, suck at estimating. Copyright reserve, uh Jojo, two thousand uh, nineteen. Uh, co- books by the intentional restorer John Isaacson and uh, fourth coming uh, currently available. Be intentional estimating on Amazon
1: paperback and in Audible. <laughs>